Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we will talk nothing but sports for the next two hours before we go into the after show. Uh, we have a lot on the on the docket tonight. We have the Major League Baseball trade deadline to talk about and all the trades that took place this uh, this past deadline. We have NHL free agency uh, that has opened up, and maybe perhaps we've seen a little bit of a shift in the in the contender uh, the contender window. I guess you could call it the the lineup of contenders. For a potential Stanley Cup, we'll have to see about that. We have an update on Aaron Rodgers. It looks like maybe finally his uh, holdout this offseason has finally come to an end, maybe. Uh, And we also have some shocking news that I will get to in just a second here uh, in regards to Bray Wyatt and his status with the WWE. So for those of you that want to call in and talk some sports tonight, you can call in at 657-383-1308. Once again, 657-383-1308. And for those of you who may have missed out on any of our previous shows, like we, we did, of course, the Big Brother recap show last night, uh, you can listen to all the sh- to all the shows uh, that we've done previously by going to blogtalkradio.com/slash Missy AE, or by going uh, to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, searching Missy search for Missy AE. You can subscribe there, and you'll get access to all of our podcasts that we've done in the past, as well as any podcasts that we will be doing. Uh, in the upcoming uh, the upcoming weeks, uh, so why don't we get started? First, a look at the current Olympic standings as they stand right now. The United States and China are actually tied for medal count with 46 medals apiece. Uh, in second is ROC, which I believe is Russia. And in third, I believe we have Japan with 30. However, the most gold medals in this Olympic Games so far has gone to China with Japan, or I should say China first with, with, uh, with 21 gold medals, Japan with 17 gold medals, and the United States with 16 gold medals. And just a breakdown for the top three China has 21 gold medals, 13 silvers, and 12 bronze for a total of 46. The United States, they have 16 gold medals, 17 silvers, and 13 bronze for a total of 20 or of, of 46 as well. And ROC, they have 11 gold medals, 15 silvers, and 11 bronzes. Uh, some other updates as well. I believe the Gold Cup final 
uh, for soccer takes place tomorrow at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. That will see the matchup of the United States taking on Mexico for the for the Gold Cup. And also, I believe the uh, U.S. women's national team uh, did officially advance to the semifinals, so it's possible that the United States may get, at worst, a bronze medal, potentially, uh, in soccer. So we will, of course, uh, keep up on that once we, once we find out more about where everybody stands. Uh, you know, I figure that for our first actual topic tonight, uh, obviously this has taken the wrestling world by storm uh, this past afternoon, and it is the WWE releasing Bray Wyatt from his contract. Uh, Bray Wyatt, of course, has been with the company for around 12 years. He started in 2009 in their development uh, one of their developmental territories, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling. And he spent time down there for about, well, Florida Championship Wrestling then turned into NXT, where he spent time there un- until 2010, where then he got called up to the main roster as Husky Harris uh, to take part in the second formation of the Nexus, which, by the way, I still say is perhaps one of the WWE's most screwed up factions that they've ever done. So uh, obviously he ended up, uh, he ended up staying with the new Nexus for a short amount of time and ended up returning to FCW where he got repackaged and he was turned into Bray Wyatt. Um, And, uh, and, you know, they ended up forming the Wyatt family with uh, Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, God rest his soul, and uh, Eric Rowan. He then gets called up, or th- I should say they get called up to the main roster uh, in, I want to say, I want to say it was July of 2012, I think, and they were one of the hottest acts that WWE had had around that time. Uh, you know, fans slowly started getting behind the Wyatt family. Uh, they had quite the feud against the Usos uh, and as well as the Shield. Then, you know, ultimately Wyatt then ended up becoming uh, becoming a singles competitor after a couple of years. He had a match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania and – that was, of course, the year after Taker had his streak broken by Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, and everybody was looking at Wyatt as potentially being the next Undertaker that they could build around, considering the fact that Undertaker was probably going to retire at some point uh, in the upcoming years, and that they could build around Bray Wyatt as, you know, this next supernatural being uh, that the WWE would use for one of their characters. Uh, Needless to say, after he ended up, after the the Wyatt family ended up disbanding, 
why what he, I don't I don't know, but it seemed like he was in career limbo basically as he pretty much didn't really you know, they it looked like they didn't really have anything for him to do. Like, yeah, he would have you know, a meaningful match like against The Undertaker at WrestleMania and he dubbed himself you know, the new face of fear. Uh he did get in a he did get in a uh program with Ryback at the time, but it just really seemed like, you know, there was nothing there was nothing going on for Wyatt to where he could actually you know, be used. He could that he could actually put together meaningful meaningful storylines. So that's when they reunited the Wyatt family, and eventually they brought in Braun Strowman, who is uh, coincidentally no longer with the WWE as well. Uh, another one of WWE's mistakes. Uh, this one, though, might be the biggest one because. Uh, Bray Wyatt is a multiple-time world champion, and not to, not to mention a merchandise mover. Which, if you're making Vince money, it's a good thing, and that means that you you have more of a cushion uh, to prevent you from potentially getting you know potentially getting released. Uh, However, you know, Wyatt, yeah, he had the return of the Wyatt family, but then he went He went in this, uh, he competed with Matt Hardy back when Matt Hardy introduced uh, his broken character to the WWE universe. Uh, he ended up having a tag team, uh, a tag team run with the, uh, with the, with the tag titles with Matt Hardy for a little bit of time. And after that, though, you know, why, why it seemed to be more, more, more just, just basically being another, you know, another member of the main roster, pretty much. I mean, he did get his first WWE championship reign, but it was pretty damn short. You know, he ended up dropping it, I think, to Randy Orton at, I want to say, I think it was WrestleMania. He ended up dropping it to Orton at. Uh, then, after a little bit of time, he ended up uh, reinventing himself uh, as the Fiend, and it seemed like that's that was the one thing that caught, that definitely caught on with fans and caught on with management. And the Fiend was actually a creation, his own creation. You know, it wasn't something that that Vince McMahon came up with or any of Vince's stooges uh, on the writing staff came up with. The Fiend was Bray Wyatt's character. Or, you know, I don't know, I don't know why I keep referring to, referring to him as Bray Wyatt. He's Wyndham Rotunda. Basically, he's the son of I. He's one of one of the sons of IRS, uh, Mike Rotunda, and. He won the Universal title twice as The Fiend, and he was really, really over with the fans despite being a heel. And he, you know, it, it seemed like once he became The Fiend, 
not only did he have a career resurgence, but merchandise sales were starting to go up as well, which obviously makes Vince even more happy than, than he previously was with, uh, with Wyatt as it is. So now to hear that Wyatt gets released today, I mean, I, I understand, I, I guess apparently he's had, uh, ment- he's had mental issues or something in, in uh, recent months uh, ever since uh, Luke Harper ended up passing away. Uh, unexpectedly, you know, he's, he's been dealing with mental issues. So maybe perhaps this is just a little bit of a breather. I mean, WWE, they supposedly, uh, John Laurinaitis contacted him to let him know he was getting released. And the reasoning was supposedly budget cuts. This is coming from the dirt sheets, uh, you know, but everybody follows their sheets nowadays. Uh, but it, basically the reason that was given was because of budget cuts, which is the same exact thing that they said to Braun Strowman. And, I mean, I understand, you know, Braun Strowman, uh, from, what it, from what it sounded like, it sounded like his contract was basically worth, you know, a million dollars supposedly uh, per year that he will be making. Uh, this though, you know, the Braun Strowman getting released was one thing, but Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt is a multiple time world champion. He had, it, it seemed like he had a gimmick that was on, that was starting to catch fire with the fans. Uh, and it's, you know, I guess it's a little bit of a coincidence. Maybe I say that considering his character literally caught fire during uh, one of the during the feud he had with Randy Orton, um, you know, he he started the he had the whole Firefly Funhouse and everything, and he was a big big merchandise mover. So I think that's even more shocking why he's getting released here. Maybe it's just so that okay, you know, you if you sort your shit out. Uh, you know, we'll bring you back once you're ready to come back. But, I mean, we saw what happened, you know, with some stars that have been released since. I mean, Aleister Black, you know, he debuted in uh, AEW. Andrade, he debuted in AEW. So, I mean, Bray Wyatt, you know, he's 34. He still has years left in the business unless, you know, by his choice he chooses to quit. Uh, you know, there's still stuff that uh, that I think he could potentially bring to the business that uh, he could definitely be a needle mover, I feel. Uh, to, if, say, AEW were to sign him down the line. Now, I don't know what his – I assume he probably has the 90-day no-compete no, uh, no clause. Uh, so – he won't be going you won't be seeing him anywhere for at least three months unless WWE brings him back the biggest problem I have with this release is the fact that he created his own gimmick you know he created the the fiend the firefly funhouse and everything and what does WWE do 
they sort of copy his gimmick, give it to Alexa Bliss, and this is, you know, this is no mark on Bliss whatsoever. Bliss is a phenomenal talent. You know, she's just, she's doing what, what the company is telling her to do. Uh, and she's been great as, as her new character. Uh, you know, the psychotic, uh, supernatural uh, character, plus with uh, with the little uh, the little doll named Lily, uh, and, and Alexa's playground or whatever whatever the segment is called, but and this is a, this is what many fans have said on Twitter. It sort of se- it seems like WWE basically saw his gimmick, saw the, how it was getting over with fans. Hey, let's steal it. And put it on somebody else, like say Alexa Bliss, and now she's now she's selling merchandise with her with uh, with her new gimmick, and you know we can basically wipe our hands clean of, Br- of Bray Wyatt, uh, release him, and maybe who knows maybe uh, put the fiend on somebody else, make make somebody else turn into the fiend. I would not be shocked at all if down the line. Assuming Bray Wyatt doesn't get re-signed by the company, if we end up seeing somebody else become the fiend, I would absolutely not be shocked at all. As a matter of fact, I'm considering how Vince has sort of handled some breakups in the past uh, in regards to former talents, I would almost guarantee it that we'll see something of some sort. Uh, take place to my understanding though you know Wyatt was a very respected guy uh, throughout the company so I wouldn't think that Vince would uh, that Vince would do some would do something you know maybe perhaps give the fiend to somebody else I I'm almost thinking that this is perhaps uh, Vince's way of saying you know look we can't we can't have you on the payroll if you're not doing anything, you know, with COVID uh, going around, obviously, you know, even though fans have just started to come back to, uh, to wrestling events with the, with the uh, Delta variant of the COVID starting to spread around, I have a feeling that maybe perhaps uh, we may start to see uh, places get closed again. And maybe perhaps, you know, fans won't be, won't be coming to uh, to different you know different arenas uh, for the foreseeable future. Maybe perhaps Vince is looking forward at that and saying, "Look, we can't have you on the. We need to save money somewhere. We can't have you on the roster if we're not going to be using you. So, you know, get your shit together when you're ready to come back." Let me know. There will be a place here for you. Uh, maybe that is where they're going, uh, you know, the reasoning for this release. Otherwise, if, if, if he ends up staying on the free agent market uh, long enough for his non-compete clause to expire and you see – you see him potentially ripe for the taking by AEW. I would not be shocked at all if AEW swoops in there 
and signs him. I would not be shocked at all because he is one of those big names that could potentially, uh, with with the amount of years he, he probably has left in the wrestling business, he could potentially move the needle. Now, speaking of AEW, uh, there is rumors, obviously, of course, that they have signed CM Punk and also potentially Daniel Bryan. Uh, CM Punk in particular, I guess, if uh, this source is correct, they have plans to potentially debut him in Chicago at either All In or All Out, whatever the pay-per-view is called, uh, or at their uh, AEW Rampage event that will also be in Chicago. Now, this, pending on, uh, obviously CM Punk is still a very popular wrestler. And, I mean, the depending on what kind of shape he's in, considering it's been quite a few years since he left the wrestling business. And, I mean, he has, of course, competed in mixed martial arts a couple of times, but for the most part, he has been inactive. So depending on what kind of shape he's in, that could be a very interesting scenario uh, for AEW if they end up signing him. And the reason being is... I mean, one of the one of the big drawing points, obviously, uh, for a wrestler is how they can sell the product. And obviously, from what we saw with CM Punk's time in the WWE, we saw how he was able to basically carry a sh- carry a company on his back for, or I'm not a, not the whole company, but I'll say a brand. How he was able to carry a brand on his back uh, for the for the specific amount of time that he was on top. Which in this case, I believe he was on Monday Night Raw, if I recall correctly, when he was champion. Um, you know, he's very charismatic. He calls I mean, he calls himself he used to call himself the best in the world. Uh, so he could potentially be a needle mover as well for AEW, especially with AEW seemingly now averaging around a million viewers or more uh, for the last couple of shows that they've done uh, for Dynamite. I mean, very gradually, you know, they're they're kind of moving up the ladder slowly but surely. Um, they're definitely taking steps to go up to the next uh go up to the next uh level, you know, trying to uh trying to gain some fans. But there is one incident that just took place. I think it was either this week or maybe it was last week. Uh AEW is in hot water with Domino's as they they had a death match uh, between Nick Gage and CM Punk or not CM Punk uh, Chris Jericho and Nick Gage had busted up had busted up Jericho with a pizza cutter right across the right across the forehead then the very next commercial they played they played going into commercial break was a Domino's pizza commercial. 
and I know how that looks, you know, cutting a guy with a pizza cutter, then putting it right to commercial, and it just happens to be one of their sponsors uh, of a pizza company like Domino's. Not a good look for a company that's trying to uh, that's trying to gain in popularity. And I guess apparently Domino's got upset, uh, and now because of that, they're reconsidering uh, being a sponsor. And however, though, you know, this hasn't stopped fans, though, from thinking that this might be uh, part of a sort of marketing campaign. Uh, because, I mean, Gage and Jericho, they also used light tubes and panes of glass as makeshift weapons during the death match. Uh, now, Warner Media, they've been on the defense uh, trying to do damage control here, basically uh, telling Domino's that it was an unfortunate accident that this, uh, that this happened to take place right before they were going to uh, – you know, right before they were going to air a Domino's ad. Uh, but, however, the broadcast did draw in uh, 1.1 million viewers, which is basically the fourth most watched event in AEW history. So, you know, even though they are doing damage control right now with Domino's, AEW is still technically gaining in popularity. And, you know, one thing I just don't understand is the fact that you know, I guess really the the fan base must really be uh, getting younger now because 20 years ago, this used to be popular. You know, death matches, uh, whenever you would see blood in wrestling, it used to be very popular. You know, ECW, you would pretty much see it almost every single night. With their uh, with all of their matches basically basically being hardcore matches, so you know it's it's kind of weird to see fans being bothered now all of a sudden by blood when this this shit was popular like twenty years ago, and it's what made it's that sort of edginess that made wrestling popular again. Regardless, you know, AEW, they're dealing with, uh, they're dealing with, uh, you know, uh, damage control here regarding this situation. But back to, uh, back to AEW with, uh, not only have they supposedly signed CM Punk, they've also supposedly signed Daniel Bryan. And the reason for that is they have a partnership with IWGP over in Japan and Brian has expressed interest in going back to Japan. So it would kind of make sense for him to be able to wrestle uh, part time, not just in Japan, but also in the States. And obviously he can't do that while under the WWE banner. So uh, ever since he got released by WWE, he has, and I'm pretty sure his his no uh, his non compete clause is is up. I think at this point it's been months since we've seen him on WWE programming. So I would assume 
that he's probably free to sign wherever he wants. And I would not be shocked at all if the rumor is true about him going to AEW because it would definitely provide him more creative freedom for his matches and his, uh, his persona um, compared to if he were to have uh, re-signed with the WWE. Now, I would assume, unless WWE decides that they want to be petty, uh, I would assume that eventually at some point he will probably go into the WWE Hall of Fame because you look at his accomplishments, he's probably he probably does have enough accomplishments to be considered a Hall of Fame candidate. So I would expect him to be in the Hall of Fame at some point, uh, whether it's before his career is over or after he hangs up the wrestling boots. But he would be another potential needle mover for AEW, considering how popular he was with how popular he was in the WWE. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward here because, as I mentioned, you know, AEW, they're trying to basically gain in popularity as much as they can. And this is probably, you know, to bring in stars, like Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, even though technically, yeah, okay, you can call them WWE rejects whatsoever or or whatever. Let's not forget CM Punk, they made their names. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, they made their names on the independent, on the independent circuit before they even went to the WWE. Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson, as he's called, you know, he made his name on the independent circuit, as did CM Punk. So, you know, it's it's entirely possible that maybe perhaps uh, some of the fans that were fans of them in WWE, you know, the casual fans, once they hear about them potentially signing with AEW, you know, you may see people, some people decide to turn the cha- to change the channel especially considering the fact that WWE seems to have gone back to their stale bit of programming where, and I still can't believe this, uh, the fact that they're bringing in people like, or not Roman Reigns, like, like Goldberg to challenge Bobby Lashley instead of giving other stars like Keith Lee, for example, who apparently has jobbed twice since returning to WWE Raw. I still can't understand that. But, you know, instead of giving new stars a chance to prove what they've got, I mean, granted, yeah, they would probably lose to Bobby Lashley considering Vince's ultimate vision for his uh, title reign and who he wants to end it. But still, you know, they they could still at least get more exposure by being in a world title match, even if they lose. Instead of bringing in somebody like Goldberg, who's basically the new Undertaker, he only wrestles once or twice a year. Uh, you know, it's it's almost like uh, uh, whenever WWE 
has problems, the ratings, they basically hit the panic button and they bring in somebody from the past like Goldberg, Undertaker. Well, Undertaker they won't do anymore because he's retired officially. Uh, John Cena, who just recently returned, and he's going to be wrestling Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. You know, that's it, – it, they – that that's basically their response to uh, ratings that might be, uh, ratings problems that they might be having. They hit the panic button essentially, and I have a feeling that's a, that Cena coming in again is basically a result of that. It also could be as well that they just wanted a big matchup. Uh, for SummerSlam, and they couldn't find. Uh, apparently, I guess they couldn't find anybody uh, good enough to match up with Roman Reigns. I know they're planning to have The Rock wrestle him at WrestleMania, but uh, or actually, I've heard that maybe it might be Survivor Series instead of WrestleMania. Uh, I'll have to double check on that. But the, I, I did read a report earlier this week that said that. But still, you know, there's. I just don't understand why WWE brings certain stars back for maybe one program and then they end up leaving again. I mean, I understand, you know, they look at certain stars now as, as attractions, you know, sort of like how they did with Brock Lesnar. You know, Brock Lesnar would only come back uh, for special attractions basically. I mean, hell, he wouldn't even show up at every single show uh, while he was WWE champion because he had a certain a certain restriction on how many shows he could do under his contract. And that's why uh, ultimately he ended up holding the title for so long, for as long as he did. But still, you know, it, it it just it seems like, especially with the Bray Wyatt news. You know, I mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago, when when Bra- or when Braun Strowman got released, it was mentioned that WWE could potentially be looking at at potentially selling the company, because you don't sell or you don't release uh, merchandise movers unless something is, you know, something is in the works. And people were skeptical when Braun Strowman got released. Now this is just going to add to the skepticism with Bray Wyatt getting the, uh, getting uh, cut now. Because Bray Wyatt, if anything, was probably an even bigger draw than Braun Strowman was. So obviously it remains to be seen, but it's kind of worrying if you're a WWE fan and you're looking at uh, some of these stars that they're releasing and they're claiming it's due to budget cuts. But yet this is a billion-dollar company, and you mean to tell me that they're going to have to make budget? They're going to have to make budget cuts because they can't afford to hang on to some of these guys. I mean, I don't, I don't buy it. I really don't. One last thing before we move on from wrestling. 
the call-up of Karrion Cross. I understand, yeah, he's NXT champion right now. Uh, they want to see what he can do on the main roster. That's fine. Problems with that, though. Number one, you, you call him up, you give him a generic entrance. You don't even call up his wife with him, which basically a big part of his character in NXT was the presentation. You know, the, uh, the NWO-like uh, lighting, the black and white. Um, you know, the fact that he, he was basically, he, he's basically been booked like an unstoppable monster in NXT. Then you have him lose to Jeff Hardy by a roll-up with the, I granted it was dirty by holding the ropes, but you have him lose to Jeff Hardy in two minutes to a fucking roll-up. Shit, you know, he's your NXT champion. Talk about burying the developmental talent. You know, you got to wonder what was going on in the minds of of his co-workers in NXT. The fact that they watched their champion get called up to the main roster and pretty much lose in literally two minutes to Jeff Hardy, uh basically barely getting any time to really do some offense. It's, it's got to be depressing, you know, to know that, oh, we can do all, we do all this work to try and get noticed by the, to get, try and get noticed by Vince to get co- potentially called up to the main roster. And now we're basically going to get treated like, uh, like one of the other jobbers in catering. If I guarantee you, if Karrion Cross knew that this was going to happen, that you know, uh, that he was going to have to go through this shit, he probably would have been better off staying in Impact Wrestling. But uh, you know, he he's been an unstoppable force in NXT, so it just doesn't make sense why they would call him up to the main roster and not have his wife by his side. Uh, considering that, you know, his entrance past two weeks has basically been the equivalent of watching watching a random wrestler come out on WWE main event. You know, it's just, he's just another one of the guys now. You know, he's not, uh, there's nothing that, so far from what we've seen that really separates him from everybody. Like he's supposed to be this unstoppable force. And then his very first wrestling match on the main roster, he loses to Jeff Hardy uh, in literally two minutes. Then Jeff Hardy gets COVID. I guess supposedly the, uh, the plans for this past Monday night were that he was going to lose to Hardy again, further burying him uh, as a serious competitor. And I, I guess apparently there, there's been some plan that they would then introduce Scarlett and all of a sudden he'd go on a tear on the main roster 
blah, 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 blah. We've seen this story before. Well, we have, I should say we haven't seen the story of, you know, first coming up to the main roster and losing and then going on a tear. Uh, but we've seen this story before when NXT talents, when they get called up to the main roster, they, they're good for a little bit, and then all of a sudden Vince gets a uh, – it, it's almost like a kid with a, a little kid with a new toy. He gets uh, he, he plays around with the toy for a little bit, but then once that once the new once another new toy comes out, he shifts his attention over to that new toy and and uh, forgets uh, or he starts to neglect the the other new toy that he had gotten. So yeah, you know you know it's a big disappointment so far uh, with what Vince McMahon has done with carrying Cross on the main roster. Uh, but let me bring in Lou. Uh, Lou, welcome, uh, welcome to the show tonight. Uh, Thank you, Steve. You know, I had, for, I had forgotten. Um, I know you said something at the end of last week's show. I had forgotten if you if you had said you might not be able to call in tonight or not. Uh, yeah, so but was, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a quiet area in the casino, so um, you know, so I'm, you know, so I just thought this would be better. I'm in, a, I'm in. A, I'm in a very quiet area as far as the casino is concerned. It's not blaring over here, so I'm able to get to you. Oh, so, uh, how, well, since you're at the casino, how 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 are you been faring tonight? I think I should have, I think I should have came back some other time. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. You know? All right, well, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, well, well, let's, you know, let's let's shift over uh, to Major League Baseball because – uh, we yeah. have obviously the trade deadline that just yep. uh, that that has just gone by, and I got to say, your Yankees—they were pretty busy uh, acquiring yeah. acquiring Anthony Rizzo from the uh, Chicago Cubs, and they right. also got they also got Joey Gallo from the yes. Texas Rangers, uh, and I believe you guys got—I think was it Andrew Heaney. From yeah. LA, I think. From the Angels. I'm, yeah, I mean it's a it's a complete drastic difference uh, comparing <laughs> the Yankees, what the Yankees did, and what the Red Sox did, because yeah. the Red Sox the the Red Sox they got Kyle Schwarber from the Cubs, but then apparently Heim decided to get stupid and uh, acquire a couple of relievers who can't pitch at the major league level uh, effectively. You're right. That is stupid. So, but it, it seems, though, that so far, uh, you know, the, the Yankees must believe that they can still compete this year because uh, Anthony Rizzo so far has been excellent for the Yankees in his two games that yeah. he's played. So far. So what? So what? What are your What are your thoughts on uh, on the Yankees' moves that they made? Uh, do you think that they could have made Good a little moves. bit more, or do you think, uh, or do you think that uh, what they did was enough? Well, we're trailing in the division, so it's good, but sometimes good is not good enough. So it's, I think we need more because we because we need to get you know good pitching, and unfortunately we don't have it. Then again. We don't have the same bullpen, you know, as we did from the Myers back in 2019. So it's a little bit different this year. 
eh, it's a little bit depressing. Yeah. That's, I mean, you guys were in on Jose Barrios uh, very late until yes. he ended up ultimately going to Toronto. Uh, but you guys right. were in uh, on a couple of pitchers. Uh, my understanding yeah, is uh, that you were you were in on you were in on Barrios and you tried to go for Scherzer, but uh, basically my understanding is the Yankees basically got laughed out of the conversation. So, yeah. uh, which is kind of odd considering the fact that, uh, you know, Scherzer would have definitely improved that Yankee rotation. And, yeah. uh, you know, what's mind-boggling about the trades that you guys did make is you didn't even give up any of your top prospects. Right. So, in my opinion, I think Cashman – made quite a steal with his moves that he made uh, this year at the deadline because I guarantee you if it was, if it were any other team, they probably would have given up premium talent for, uh, for some of the guys that you guys ended up acquiring. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Generally that would be the case. Well, you know, we're struggling with our yeah. pitching this year, so we need to get all that we can get, especially our starting pitchers, in weeks of depth. Yeah, and yeah, and by the way, actually, the Sox, they did just uh, fall to second place, uh, losing to the Tampa Bay Rays tonight, 9-5. Uh, so, uh, you know, the good news is for the Yankees, they are two and a half games back in the wild card. So the wild card still is up for grabs All right. uh, for the Yankees. Uh, but, in, you know, I mean, just taking a look at who they at who they acquired, I'd say maybe the one thing you have to worry about is, I mean, Joey Gallo, he definitely has the home run power uh, that, but, I mean, especially to left especially to left field in Yankee Stadium, he's going to absolutely crush balls in left field. The problem, though, is his strikeout ratio is horrific this year. I was afraid you were going to say I mean, that. Yeah. He, uh, the, the problem here is I, I honestly think he's another Giancarlo Stanton. Where yeah. it's either gonna be it's either gonna be a home run or it's gonna be a yeah. strikeout. There's no in between. Right. That's a problem. However, though, thing, you know, Stan was better as he was a Marlins. Yeah. No, he definitely. Uh, yeah. You know, he was, I I agree with you there. He definitely he definitely was better uh, when he was a uh, Miami Marlin. Yeah. I don't know if it's because of the uh, I don't know if it's because of the fact that the American League is uh, heavier on pitching or yeah. what, but uh, yeah. you know the National League is considered uh, is considered technically a pitcher's league compared to the American League. So maybe perhaps uh, you know the pitching is much harder in the American League, so yeah. he's having more problems here uh, with New York compared to if he had stayed with Miami. I'm not surprised. But, 
yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. Um I did hear that the Yankees did try I heard that the Yankees did try to trade Luke Voigt as well, but wow. they could not get any takers for him apparently. Why would you want to trade Luke Voigt? Played the Wonder Sprint last year. Yeah, that's what that's what kind of surprised me because of the numbers that he put up last year. You know, uh, I didn't think that they would uh, that they would be no, giving no. up on him so quickly. Uh, I guess it might have been because the fact that they knew they were getting Anthony Rizzo, and they probably feel that they can come to some sort yeah. of agreement with Rizzo. So. Uh, I get it. You know, that basically, it, that would basically block Voight from playing regularly uh, in an everyday lineup. So that would mean, you know, why not trade him now while he's at the height of his value compared to, okay, if we right. ha- if we hang on to him, if we hang on to him and then try to trade him in, say, the off season, you know, yeah. it's. You're pro- you're probably not going to get as much in the off season compared to what you would have gotten for him at the deadline. No, no, not at all. But uh, you know, those those were some pretty big uh, some pretty big moves by the Yankees and also by the Red Sox. But perhaps well, we the need biggest we need to move, make those moves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, but perhaps the biggest move that came was the Washington Nationals trading not just Max Scherzer, but also Trey Turner to to the the L.A. Dodgers. I mean, my God, you know, why not just – that why not just hand the World Series to the Dodgers again this season? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just I I just don't understand. Uh, and, 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 or actually, I should I shouldn't say I don't understand because I do understand it with uh, with the Dodgers giving up their number one and number two prospects in their organization. Yeah. Uh, in this deal. But, I mean, it's almost like, okay, how much more can the Dodgers, uh, how much much better can the Dodgers really get after this deal is done? You know, like, what other players could they potentially acquire? I don't know. I mean, it's not like the Dodgers are doing horrible. I mean, they were thinking, you know, because I was reading in the reports saying how they were improved. Improved from what? They won the World Series last year, so what are they going to improve for? They don't need improvements. Yeah, exactly. They don't really need they don't need improvements, no. but yet for some reason for some reason they felt they did. Uh, obviously, you know they've lost Trevor Bauer uh, for an extended well. time because of his uh, because of his personal issues. So I understand going after Scherzer. Yeah. I, I understand it. going after Scherzer, but I do not understand going after Turner when you already have Seager and uh and and uh Turner uh actually you have another Turner there as well. Uh 
you know, in L.A. So I don't understand no relation, why right? you go after. No, no, no relation. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, I just don't I don't I don't understand why you go after Trey Turner when you have people already suited for his uh, already suited for his position. And not just that, that Turner wants Tur- Turner wants to stay a shortstop. That's the problem. Yeah. He wants to stay a shortstop. Now I get it. He he has one more year on his deal, so you know it's not like it's going to be a rental. But uh, you know he wants to stay a shortstop, and I mean let's face it, the, he's going to be commanding a huge amount of money when they when he hits the uh, free agent market. Of course. So I just don't I don't understand why uh they would get rid yeah. of him right now or why why they would acquire him. It just doesn't make sense at all. Well, there's always one uh, deal that doesn't make any make a lot of sense when you think about it. That's not unusual at all. There's always gonna be one there's always gonna be one trade that everybody's asking like, Huh? What? I mean really. I, I see it happen, Steve, but if that doesn't surprise me. There's always gonna be one screw up in the bunch. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, let me let me bring in uh, Teresa. Let, let me bring oh, in uh, okay. Teresa. Ter- Teresa, how uh, how are you feeling? Uh, hope, hopefully, a little better uh, tonight. A little bit, yeah. Welcome back. You did. You, uh, I got. I got to tell you, you did. You did. Sound, you sounded like you were. Uh, you were having quite a quite a rough time last night. Uh, Lou, in case you didn't know, uh, Teresa, she actually came down with COVID uh, recently. Oh, so she's, oh uh, dear. It's, you know, we were surprised that she called in last night um, uh, into our Big Please Brother podcast. Yeah. Well, my nephew had it, too, and instead of my niece. But uh, they're okay now. And I had my first shot last week. And I feel great. <laughs> So Sorry how long I will be on tonight will be contingent on how I'm feeling. Right. Well, we're pulling for you. Okay. Well, well, we're we're uh, we're happy to have you uh, to have you on here with us, Teresa. Yeah. And uh, Lou, an- an- another thing too, Lou, is Teresa is actually yeah. vaccinated. She's one of the ones who has had oh. the vaccine already and has now caught it. Uh, so. For those people who don't believe that if – for those people who don't believe that, oh, uh, I have the vaccine, so I can't get it, uh, yeah, you Wrong. can. You still but, have to be uh, careful regardless. Yeah. But, uh, T- Teresa, uh, what's it called? Uh, have you have you been, have you been – uh, uh, been paying any attention to the uh, to the sports world in in particular? I know, I know you've been uh, I know you've been uh, you've been following the Olympics, but uh, have you followed uh, like Major League Baseball or uh, or basketball or football? Not a whole lot. I know that uh, uh, unfortunately the Cubs are beating. Are ahead of my Cardinals, so that kind of sucks. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you know that's kind of, it's kind of weird because the Cubs they were uh, they were some major sellers at the deadline this year, uh, and the Cardinals uh, they actually they ended up getting uh, John Lester from the Nationals. So, but you could say that the Cardinals actually improved compared to the National or compared to the Cubs this deadline. So it is kind of odd to hear uh, that the Cardinals are struggling right now. And and I know as far as the uh, 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 I know you guys probably most likely talked about this last week, but the Cleveland Guardians is stupid. Oh, you know yeah. what? We did not. I I meant this was one of the ones that I meant to talk about last week, and for some reason I don't know why. Maybe because of the sheer stupidity of it, but it seemed to slip my mind. Uh. Yeah, the Indians are now the are now the, uh, the Guardians, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Right. I mean, is there really any? I don't think there's really any uh, any background into why they would even be called the Guardians because. Oh yeah, that. I mean, is there really, Teresa? Do you know? Do you know of any of any background at all as to why no. they would even be called the Guardians? No. All I know is that people were getting uh, offended by them being the Indians, so. Yeah, and I know well, I. Just... Go ahead. And I've seen, like memes and stuff out there. It's like, what are they guardians of? Sucking. Well, I thought it was guardians of the galaxy. That's the first one. That's the first, uh, that. the first joke that. That's the first joke that came yeah. into my uh, into my head as soon as I saw that was uh, guardians of the galaxy. Guardians uh, of the galaxy. But, <laughs> you know, apparently they weren't smart enough. Uh, to trademark their name, as apparently there was a there was a trademark filed er, uh, earlier this week by the Cleveland Guardians roller derby team. Some sort of roller roller skate roller derby whatever uh, team has now filed a trademark for the Cleveland Guardians. So the uh, the Major League Baseball team hasn't even filed the trademark yet, so they may end up having to change their name if they can't get the trademark. Yeah. I mean, you got to that if you're if you're planning on naming uh, on creating a new name, like for example, you know Washington, they did the Washington Football Team. If you're going to create a new name, you would think that you would put in, you know, you know, you would file a trademark as soon as possible. Because you're going to want to start selling merchandise. You're going to want to, uh, you know, start branding, you know, for the, uh, for the official team. Right. And now... You know that's not going to be able to. Uh, depending on if the uh, roller derby team gets awarded the gets awarded the trademark, you know they won't be able to do that. 
And it says here uh, that this this will take effect uh, at the end of the at the end of this season. The uh, name change. Yeah. And apparently, uh, this was decided by Cleveland's fan base. The name was decided. Uh, they apparently had a list of potential names of nearly 1,200 different names. And they had, uh, they had interviews with fans, uh, community leaders, front office personnel, and a survey of approximately 40,000 fans. And, you know, I'm, I'm still reading. Oh, okay. I, you know, I'm finding it out right now. Uh, the reason for the Guardian's name is it was inspired by the large landmark stone edifices uh, around the city oh, okay. that are referred to that are referred to as traffic guardians uh, that flank both ends of yeah. the Hope Memorial Bridge, which connects to down which connects downtown to Ohio City. That's what they're naming them after. Is uh, basically stone uh, stone things on a on on the uh, Hope Memorial Bridge. I knew it was something to do with historical. I mean, I didn't even know I didn't even know about that. You know, uh, like for example, in uh, the nearby Springfield uh, that I live near, you know, one of their uh, on one of their bridges they have like spikes, so. You know, for the next the next Springfield uh, professional team that comes in, whether it's hockey or basketball or baseball, maybe they should call themselves the Springfield Spikes. Then, uh, yeah, there's Simpsons that complain about it. Or the or the Springfield Crosses, because I know that there are there are some uh, uh, there are some some parts of the bridge that look like they, that look like they have a Jesus cross. On on top of the uh, okay. on top of these sculptures, so you know it's it is just it is weird to to see the name get changed after having it for for nearly around a hundred years. Yeah. You know, uh, having the Cleveland Indians name around that long. I mean, hell, they even had uh, the baseball team was the focus of the major league series. Uh, the major league movie series starring Charlie mm-hmm. Keen. You know, so, so it just, it doesn't Sorry. make any sense why they would, I mean, I understand maybe it's because of the cancel culture that, uh, yeah. that the world is, or the United States in particular is going through right now uh, that, you know, we have to ban every single offensive name known to mankind, which probably means the Patriots are going to be, are going to be uh, coming up soon. Uh, maybe, oh. you know, maybe the Giants name, the Giants could be offensive to, to real life Giants. So, <laughs> you know, we, we may not be. Uh, San Francisco? Both, probably. Both. Well, I gave, you know, uh, like, I don't know if you've seen the rebooted Animaniacs. I'm like, it's not the same since they've had to do all this canceled cultured crap. Yeah, yeah no, I, I have. Stuff. Come on. 
I, I have seen I have seen bits and pieces of uh, like I haven't seen you know full shows of the new one. Uh, I mean, I grew up with the show Animaniacs, you know, so yes. Yes. I I was I was used to a lot of the uh, a lot of the craziness that they would get into. I mean, then again, it was a show from the nineties, <laughs> so you know. Yeah, because I used then, to watch it with Sarah growing up. Back then, it was completely different compared to now. Yes. You know, now it's like because of because of all this cancel culture, uh, you know, they have to, uh, regardless of what profession you're in, whether it's sports or entertainment, you have to really tiptoe the line. Like I even I even brought this point up earlier before both of you called in. I was talking about uh, about the professional wrestling company AEW, oh. uh, who they just recently had a what they call a death match, which basically means you know there are no rules, uh, you yeah. know no disqualifications, uh, no countouts and stuff like that. And I brought up the point about how. You know, back in the early 90s, uh, blood used to be very popular in wrestling, in particular uh, in ECW, uh, in extreme championship wrestling. There was almost every single night there would, all, there would always be blood. But now all of a sudden, you know, you have a bloody death match like, like what happened this past week on TNT, and now all of a sudden people are, uh, are all up in arms saying that uh, – that it's disgusting wrestling, uh, you know, that blood shouldn't have anything to do with the, uh, uh, you know, that, that it's basically horror porn, essentially. Yeah. Or torture porn, I guess you could call it. And it's just like, this stuff was popular in the 90s. It was, hell, I could, I could even argue it was popular in the 2000s. So... You know, it's just, it's ridiculous some of the uh, the fact that cancel culture has has now leaked into professional sports to where oh it's offensive if if a team if a team is called the Cleveland Indians and they've been called it for over a hundred years and now apparently yeah. you guys feel the need to have to change the name because it's offensive to Indians apparently. And they're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs doing the same thing, have happened to change their name. Oh, come on. Well, then they would have to change the name of the stadium, too. They couldn't call it Arrowhead because that would be offensive to Indians, too. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's it's just ridiculous with the... Yes. The stuff that's coming out now. Um, I mean, hell, I'd prefer to use the Indians' name than have than have to call a team the Cleveland Guardians. I mean, hell, it was hard enough call, it was hard enough referring to Washington as the football team. That's not but now you have to. But now you have to, uh, you know, every time I say, every time I think of Washington, I just oh. say Washington. I don't even, I don't even say the football team because it would be like, okay, well, which football team are you talking about? I mean, there's multiple football teams. 
But yeah, the uh I I just I have a feeling, you know, the Guardians is just uh yeah. one, the only one only one step that Major League Baseball is uh is gonna be taking here. I have a feeling we're probably gonna yeah, see yeah. more uh name changes coming down the coming down the road. Well, I know, like, my high school, we were known as the K-Hawks, which is apparently another name for an Indian. I guess it's an Indian tribe or something like that. So, chances are they'll probably be... I mean, hell, uh... Have to change their you know, name before too long. Yeah, I mean, my high school, you know, my high school was, uh, their team name was called the Brownies. And, you know, I guess apparently it's referring to Indians because technically the town name is, uh, is the name of an Indian tribe spelled backwards. Right. So... That's where they came up, you know, with the brownies, uh, for example. And apparently, I guess, you know, they held a poll uh, to whether, you know, whether or not they they should take it down or not and rename it. Uh, The poll ultimately ended up uh, ended up with keeping the name. But, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous the amount of changes that they're that they're trying to go through. With different with different names of sports teams, so yeah, needless to say, uh, absolutely ridiculous. Um, speaking of the Indians, uh, Terry Francona, their head coach, apparently will have to step away uh, step away for the remainder of the season in order to focus on his health issues. Uh, while he is away, Demarlo Hale will act will act as the acting manager for Cleveland. Um, now, his health issues haven't been made public as of yet, but it sounds like uh, Francona did have to undergo some sort of surgery, I guess, apparently. So uh, it's not known in particular how much time well, obviously he's not coming back this year, uh, but it's not known if there's anything else other than that surgery that he had to undergo. And also, uh, staying on baseball, uh, Hector Santiago, a lot of people may recognize him as the first guy who ended up getting suspended uh, due to foreign substance use on his glove, uh, he was originally suspended 10 games. Now he has received an 80-game suspension for violating the uh, drug prevention and treatment program. So basically he tested for, uh, they said he tested positive for exogenous testosterone. Which basically is basically it's a form of a steroid, essentially that he tested positive for. Uh, so he will miss the rest of this year, and apparently he will also miss part of 2022 as well. Yeah. 
because of that. So, needless to say, uh, huge mistake. Uh, but you know, it, it just proves that they really are cracking down on not just substance yeah. or you know, not just not just foreign substance use, but also regular substance use like steroids and stuff like that. Why are they sure? Well, yeah, you got to clean up the game, even though, you know, they're not going to be able to catch everybody. Uh, but, well, you know, you do have to clean up the game somewhat. Uh, you know, as a matter yeah. of fact, uh, there are also some rule changes that they're going over for next season. Apparently, they will be eliminating uh, the – among the proposed rule changes, they will be eliminating – uh, the seven inning double headers. Jesus. They will also be eliminating. They will also be eliminating, or I shouldn't say it's not official. It's not official yet, but they will take a vote on it. Uh, they will also take a vote on eliminating uh, having a runner on second to start every Jesus. extra inning. I like it. I kind of like it too. I think I think it helps. It helps with the pace of play. If you want, if you want to ensure that a, uh, you know, that a game doesn't go 18 innings, the only way to do that is to is to have a runner start at second base every half inning, for uh, right. that you're in extra innings. Here's a rule. I like. Uh, Another but one, of course, another the tradition there's time to do the budget crybabies about it. And, you know, that's how, that's how that got there. But then again, they also said much. that it was not meant to be a permanent rule. No, it wasn't meant to be a permanent rule, uh, but they're looking at eliminating it after just one season, apparently. Yeah, I know. Uh, but they did have um, another rule that they're talking about eliminating is the – uh, the use of defensive shifts, or if not, not not flat out eliminating it, but limiting to how many defensive shifts a team can do uh, per night is my understand my understanding of what they're what they're trying to do. Right. Which I mean, it kind of makes sense. It is kind of ridiculous to have shifts for certain people. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah. like when David you know, like when David Ortiz would come out uh, uh out to the plate every single time, they would they would shift all the way over to the right all, all the way over to the right side of the field. Oh, uh, right. Every single time. It I I mean I I agree it does it does kind of get a little ridiculous. Uh, the way that they shift some of these um, some of these players. Uh, so that is also uh, looking at potentially either being limited or being eliminated entirely. Um, there was one other rule, but I forget. I forget what it was. It must not have been that important. Um, now the Padres, they were busy. 
uh, at the deadline. They acquired Daniel Hudson from the Nationals uh, for right-handed pitcher Mason Thompson as well as infielder Jordy Barley. Uh, Hudson is currently on the COVID-19 injured list, uh, but he has been exceptional this year, a 2.20 ERA, uh, over 32 innings for the Nationals. And it looks like he's probably going to be a setup man uh, for the Padres' closer, Mark Melanson, over the final two months of the year uh, this year. So it looks like he's basically a uh, he's basically a rental, from what it sounds like here. Who rental? Um, who else did the Cubs? Oh yeah, the Cubs. They they also traded uh, Chris Bryant to the San Francisco yeah. Giants. Uh, a huge move for the Giants, considering the fact that the Padres, the Padres and the uh, Dodgers made moves. So San Francisco, they need to try any way they can to keep their three and a half game lead on on LA. And obviously, you know, this is probably the best fit out of any team uh, that was looking to uh, that was looking to get anybody. Uh, another move that was made. This one I really don't get whatsoever. Actually, these two these two moves I don't get uh, was the Twins acquiring Alex Scherf from the Boston Red Sox in exchange for Hansel Robles. Uh, Robles, I mean, you know, he he registered. Or no, I'm t- this is Scherf actually. Scherf registered a promising 2.45 ERA between High A and Double A this year, uh, and he could reach the bullpen in Minnesota by early 2022. But Robles, I mean, you trade him for Robles, who struggled with a 4.91 ERA this year with Minnesota. I mean, it just. I understand he has save experience, but it just does not make sense whatsoever for the Sox to uh, to spend a uh, a high prospect to acquire somebody like him who is not really going to upgrade the bullpen at all. And they also acquired Austin Davis from the Pirates, who struggled tonight as well against the Rays, in exchange for Michael Chavez. And this one I'm pissed off about because Chavez was considered to be, at one point, one of the better infield prospects in baseball. Uh, but he's never, after his first full season, he's never really gotten a chance to stay in the lineup consistently. Uh, consistently. Right. So it just does not make sense why the Sox would give up on him. It's almost like they gave up on him like they gave up on on uh, Benintendi this year. It's just ridiculous on their part. Uh, yeah. Some other some other notable uh, deals that went down. Uh, the Athletics, they acquired infielder Josh Harrison and catcher Jan Gomes, uh, as well as some cash from the Nationals for uh, Drew Milis, uh Seth Schumann, and Richard Gauss. Uh This is basically 
basically the Nationals went on a true fire sale uh, this year. This year at the deadline, basically trying to trade off anybody and anyone that they could in order to uh, in order to get some prospects back in return. Um, in particular. Uh, let's see. I'm pretty sure they also made another move, if I can find it here. Uh, yeah, they they traded away John Lester as well. Um, uh, I'll have to find one of the other moves that they did. Uh, but uh, the Phillies, they actually made a move. They didn't sit back uh, with oh, the NL East boy. only. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hello. You got got something got something big there. I just hit a jackpot. I just hit a jackpot. Oh, terrific! No, no, didn't hit the big one, big one. I didn't hit the big one. Oh, that's the big one. That's the big one. That's one. I know. That is terrific. Hallelujah! I need that. You know, I I love it. I, I love I love when you have a. Uh, oh no, wait. I'm just going down to about thirty four hundred. Oh wow. I'm okay. I'm okay. I I love I love when you get when you get uh when you get stuff like that when um yeah when you have when you have that kind of success whenever you go out to the casino I mean I'm I I've been doing oh, pretty good myself go. actually. Oh, you. Uh, if my girlfriend was here, she wait she faints. Oh yes. my God! But uh, some, you know, some other uh, some other deals that were done uh, at the deadline this year. Let's see. I mentioned uh, Hudson. Uh, the Red Sox they did acquire Kyle Schwarber from the Nationals in exchange for uh, Aldo Ramirez. Uh, this is actually a pretty good get for the Nationals because Ramirez. Uh, it sounds like Aldo Ramirez is a couple of a couple of years away, but uh, the way that he's been performing so far in the Red Sox minor league system, it looks like uh, he's gonna he's gonna probably develop into quite the pitcher, from what it sounds like. But yeah, this is the interesting part: is that Kyle Schwarber, oh, Apparently, Kyle Schwarber has uh, he has accepted the role to try and play first base for the Red Sox. Yeah, which I find it kind of interesting because he's only played the outfield and catcher in his entire career. So it didn't make sense at first when they first acquired him because it's like, well, okay, who are they, who would he be replacing in the outfield? But no, apparently he, uh, they're going to try him at first base. And I mean, if he can, if he can actually stay healthy and uh, can play first base good, I mean, he has 25 homers in 72 games this year. He's been one of the best power hitters in baseball so far this season, and actually uh, he actually set a major league record by hitting 12 home runs in a 10-game span. So, 
it's definitely it, it is definitely a bit of a gamble uh, for the Red Sox here. Yeah. Uh, now there was this one trade before the deadline, before deadline day even took place, that has been really controversial, uh, and the it was the Houston Astros acquiring uh, closer Kendall Graveman, as well as oh, yeah. Rafael Montero from the Seattle Mariners, especially considering they both teams were playing each other as this deal was going down. And literally both both players had to trade clubhouses as the deal <laughs> happened. And apparently uh, this did not sit well in the clubhouse whatsoever as uh, it drew a lot of backlash from players. Yes. But Mariners, apparently, they didn't give a shit, and uh, no. they went through with the, they went through with the deal anyways. But uh, I mean, Graveman, he's been one of the best relievers this year. Uh, he has an ERA of point eight two. Yeah, doesn't even have an ERA of one. He has it a point eight two through thirty three innings. I mean, you want to talk about. You want to talk about closing out games. There's been him and Craig Kimbrell. There's been Kimbrell, there hasn't yeah. been any two there hasn't been any two better uh relievers this year. Which actually speaking of Craig Kimbrell, uh Kimbrell was also dealt as well to the White Sox. Now, you want to yeah. talk about a scary you want to talk about a scary bullpen. Kimbrel joins Kimbrel joins a bullpen that has Liam Hendricks, Michael Kopech, and a bunch of other lights out relievers in that White Sox bullpen. I think, uh, considering where the White Sox are right now, uh, they are atop the AL Central by a considerable margin. They're going to win the division. This is going to be a very scary team to face in the playoffs. Yeah. Especially if you have to if if they dig into that bullpen, they can, they have many options now that they can go with. So I would be worried if I was a team having to face the White Sox this year. Uh, let's see. Uh, we did also have uh, NHL free agency uh, come up this week, and first off, the uh, there was some news about Alexander Ovechkin and the reason why he re-signed yep. for five more years, and apparently uh, he has the goal of breaking Wayne Gretzky's goal record. I don't know. I mean, he's currently doable. He's currently 164 behind Gretzky. So basically, in a five-year span, he would have to average a little bit over 30 goals in order to get it. Yeah. Uh, in order to make it happen, it would have to be like 35 goals or something. Which I mean, I guess technically, considering he is going to be the primary option for the Capitals, considering they didn't really add much this offseason. I guess it can be doable, but 
I don't know. I mean, unless unless he unless he decides to flat out retire after the fifth year if he doesn't get the record, uh, I just don't know though because. No, no. I mean, he's a hundred. I mean, he's hundred and sixty-four I mean, out. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, with this, he is thirty-five years old now, and you know he's not the young face he was. What? You know, to score thirty goals a season for the next five years—that's it's doable, but I don't know if it's actually realistic. Yeah. I mean, he would like I said, he would have to he would have to go on a uh, uh, on an average of thirty anywhere from thirty three to thirty five goals per year in order yeah. to potentially break the record. And I, honestly, I just don't see him doing it, especially uh, no. unless he's unless he's used as the primary option. I mean, I know they have Nicholas Backstrom and a couple of other players still, uh, oh, yeah. and Anthony Mantha, but you know, unless he's used as the primary option, I just I don't see how he's gonna how he's gonna be able to average that for the next five years. Neither do I. Neither do I. Uh, before. Um, before free agency started, uh, we did have a big retirement as Nicholas Jalmerson uh, retired at the age of 34. Uh, he posted five assists this year with Arizona before he called it a career. Uh, he finishes his career with uh, 172 points in 821 career games. Uh, he was a three-time, I think he was a three-time champion with uh, with Chicago as part of that yeah, blue line. Yeah. Before he ended up, I mean, honestly, if I was playing for Arizona, I would retire too. But uh, considering the type of organization they've been. Uh, but perhaps one of the big winners of free agency oh. this year was the, was the New Jersey Devils. Signing Dougie Hamilton to a seven. Wait, was it was it seven or eight years? I want to say it was seven. 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 Yeah, it was. It was seven. Seven year deal worth sixty three million dollars. They're probably. I would. I would assume they're gonna. They're gonna align him with PK Subban. I would think uh, on the blue line. Um, Yeah, probably. And he was technically the big fish in the free agency pool this year. Uh, he had 10 goals and 42 points last year for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, this is, you know, this is a pretty big get for the Devils, who have been struggling on defense. You can say that again. I mean. Uh, what do you th- what do you think about this, Lou? Because uh, Hamilton, you know, he definitely is the type of uh, the type of defender that they've been looking for to complement uh, the likes of PK Subban on that blue line. Yeah, I mean the defense is pathetic, and you know that's what they've been missing. And ever since Tara Hall left, you know they have not been the same team. So yeah, they no, need to get they they need defense in gear. Yeah, the defense is pathetic. 
Yeah, that you know that was just one of the uh, deals that was done. Uh, they also traded away Nick Merkley uh, to the San Jose Sharks in exchange for Kristen Yaros, who I believe signed a one-year, two-way deal with the Devils after the after the deal was done. Right. Uh, it looks like this was primarily a uh, prospect deal for the most part. Because uh, Merkley had two goals and ten points last year for the uh, for the Devils, and Yaros he had an assist in seven games uh, before he was sent back down to uh, to Binghamton last year. So, uh, right? Or not Binghamton? Not Binghamton. Um, he was no. sent down to to San Jose uh, to the Barracudas last year. Right. Oh, the Barracudas. Yeah, their uh, their farm team. That uh, honestly, actually, they don't oh, play wow. that far away from the Sharks. So, perhaps one of the biggest deals, though, that went down. And honestly, I don't know. I don't know what kind of cards oh. this guy drew. I don't know what kind of cards this guy drew in life to have such a short end of the stick. But Mark Andre Fleury gets screwed over yeah. yet again by a team. Uh, being traded to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Mikhail Takarainen. Now, here's the weird part. This basically feels like it's just a salary dump because uh, Mikhail Mikhail Takarainen technically belongs to the Vegas Golden Knights now. However, they've said that he will still play within the Chicago Blackhawks organization. So to me, that doesn't really make any sense unless it was just a way to dump the no. contract of Marc Andre Fleury. Oh, and it, yeah, I think it was. Hey. It's weird to say that considering he's the Vezina Trophy winner. He had a twenty six ten and O record last uh, last year with a one point nine eight goals against average and a ninety two point eight save percentage. I mean, granted, he does have a gigantic cap hit of seven million dollars this year, but still, he's he's one of the best goaltenders in the league, and you're basically just gonna dump him. Well, that's what I mean, the hell. How, in, uh, what the hell are you thinking, buddy? I, you know how how does how does this make sense, Lou? Because it doesn't. You know, you would think that if you're Vegas, you're going to want to try to get as much as you can for this guy. Sure. Well, I... And now it says here that Flory may not even play for Chicago. He may end up retiring. That was that was a rumor. So that's going to because uh, they, they said that apparently he doesn't want his kids to leave the Vegas area. Uh, he doesn't want right. his family yeah. to leave the Vegas area because they've gotten so used to it out there. Um, Understandable. And from what, it's, you know, from what it sounds like, it sounds like uh, that oh. he may just choose to retire. Oh, it almost happened again. It almost happened again, man. Yeah. How far? How far off? Yeah. How, how far? How far off were you, Lou? 
I just need one more. I get, they it came up in the right soup, but the wrong number. Ah, uh, shit! I hate I hate it when uh, I hate it when 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 uh when stuff like that happens. It, it happens quite yeah. a lot to me. I'll tell you that much. Whenever I yeah, whenever yeah. I decide to gamble. But whenever, but regardless, you know, you know, some of these moves they make are not very smart. You know, I mean. You know, Flurry, I mean, you know, that was not a smart move at all. I said it on my show tonight. Yeah, it just it doesn't make sense if you're going to trade him to basically have a salary dump. I mean, I understand it's $7 million, yeah. but, you know, you're going to want to get, unless they knew oh. that he was going to, that he was planning on potentially retiring and they just wanted to take his contract off of the books. That's well, the only thing that, that I can think of. If you want to do that, that's fine. Uh, but other than that, I don't see a purpose. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be a case where the Blackhawks are, you know, there, there was there was a couple of uh, a couple of years ago, there was one team that ended up taking on uh, a contract, even though that player was no longer going to play, because they had to get to the they had to get to the uh, cap floor, basically, in order to avoid being penalized. So, you know, it it kind of makes sense that they would, uh, you know, that they would do that. You know, if maybe perhaps Chicago agreed to it because. They need help getting to the cap floor, but other than yeah. that, I'm not really sure I can. You know, I'm not really sure I can. I can put into perspective why the hell they're uh, they're doing no, some of these of uh, decisions. And plus, over the last three, or actually, no, I for some reason I don't know why, but this one connected. Uh, the San Jose shot. You know, if Flurry does retire, uh, San or Chicago could look at potentially adding Martin Jones because Jones was just put on uh, unconditional waivers, uh, which means that if he clears, San Jose will then buy out his contract as he does have a couple of seasons left on his uh, six-year, $34.5 million deal that he signed back in 2017. Right. Um, Ooh. So I guess that would be a potential option. Uh, one goaltender option, though, that was taken off the market was Linus Olmark, as he signed, and this has a very big stipulation here because uh, this may mark the end of Tuka Rask in the NHL. As Linus uh-huh. Olmark signed, he signed a four-year, $20 million deal with the Boston Bruins as uh, yeah. an injury riddle, in an injury-riddled season, he was limited to just a 9-6-3 and three record. Now, keep in mind, this was with the Buffalo Sabres. So the fact that he was even able to have a positive record is a miracle in and of itself. But yeah. the fact that he finished, he finished the season with a 2.63 goals against average and a 91.7 save percentage with that defense, it tells me that he was standing on his head. When he was in net, very good. So, so imagine what he's going to be like 
on a Boston Bruins team that has a much improved defense compared to Buffalo. Yeah. But Buffalo is Buffalo but, is a dump, is a duck. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're a dumpster fire. They're a complete dumpster fire. And not you know, to add on top of that, uh, I'm sure I'm sure you probably heard about the Jack Eichel news. Okay, what's Jack doing now? Well, apparently, uh, the Buffalo Sabres organization is uh, refusing to allow him to t- to have a certain type of surgery. Uh. Because because he uh, you know they he wants to do a disc replacement surgery, which has never been done yes. on an NHL player. Uh. Instead of a disc, instead of a uh, spinal fusion, uh, he wants mm-hmm. to do a, a, a disc replacement surgery, which has never been done. It has been done in other sports, but it hasn't been done on an NHL player. I see. And the Buffalo Sabers are refusing. The Sabers are refusing to tell him whether or not he would be able to play this upcoming season if he has yeah, that surgery. Yeah. And I guess apparently he's now applying pressure on on Buffalo. You know, if you're not going if you're not going to help me here, then just trade me so that the team that trades right. for me can actually help can actually help out my situation. Well, I don't blame him for that. I mean, if you're not going to help your team, I mean, you know, it's like, well, I'll just win because elsewhere. Thank you. I don't blame him for getting angry. I mean, he needs the help, and he won't give it to him. I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know what? I wouldn't rule. I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out the Bruins uh, potentially going after him, especially now that David Krejci uh, is officially going back to the Czech Republic. Right. Because it was announced. Uh, it was announced. I think it was yesterday, actually, that he will be going back to the I Czech Republic. Was. Um, after 14 years with the Bruins organization. So it sounds like, for the most part, that David Krejci's career is over in the NHL and that he will probably, he will probably play the rest of his time. Uh, I mean, he's 34 years old, so he still does have a couple of years left. Uh, but That's it sounds like he wants to play... No, but I will say his play has decreased a little bit. I mean, he didn't really get yeah. things going until they – he didn't really get things going until they acquired Taylor Hall this year. Right. Yeah. When they acquired Taylor the Hall, Devils lost their game. his career. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, back, you know, back to Linus Olmark, though, uh, with him signing this massive deal – I mean, four years, twenty mil. You're gonna pay. Uh, you're gonna pay him five mil per year. But you gotta think that that probably marks the end of Tuka Rask. Yeah. Because, I mean, Rask. You know, he's a free agent this year. Uh, he's probably not gonna be signed because he has to undergo hip surgery. And actually, he already has undergone hip surgery. Be a problem. Be a problem. Uh, so. He won't be able. He won't be able to play until February at the earliest. Uh, so, 
and you know he's already said previously that there's only two teams that he'll play for. He'll play for either the Bruins or he'll go over to Finland and play uh, and play in Finland. But I mean, right right now it looks like the Bruins' uh, goaltending tandem will be Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman heading into next year. Uh, so, and plus with with uh, Daniel Vladar uh, getting traded for a third round pick to Calgary, uh, that's pretty much out of the question. So it'll be Olmark and Swayman. And from the from from the way his contract is structured, uh, Olmark has he has a full no trade clause in the first two years of his deal, and then. The last two years, he has a modified no-trade clause, which is basically a 15, a 15 or 16 team list uh, for the final two years. So that pretty much tells me that the Bruins think that Swayman won't be ready for full-time starting duty for at least two years. Yeah. Which I which I guess kind of makes sense, considering yeah. he just had his taste of he just had his first taste oh. of NHL action this year. So I need to eat some diamonds, uh, you dirty dog. Uh, some other bits of news. Oh, and yeah. By the way, the uh, the Ovechkin deal uh, it's five years, forty-seven and a half mil. So, um. Yeah. He's getting paid quite handsomely, and he will be playing in the NHL on this deal past his 40th birthday. So uh, his next contract will probably come up right as he's about to turn 41 or 42, from what it sounds like. Um, Now, apart from... uh, What's it called? As we mentioned, I think it was last week, the New York Rangers, they traded away Pavel Buchnevich to St. Louis. Well, he signed, he ended up signing a four-year, $23.2 million contract extension with the Blues. uh, He he would have been a restricted free agent on Wednesday, uh, but he is now locked up full-time for the Blues. Uh, he scored 20 goals and 48 points in 54 games last year with the Rangers. Uh, they previously acquired they previously acquired his rights from the Rangers last Friday in exchange for Sammy Blaze and a second round pick in next year's draft. So the Blues, the Blues do have a, a pretty big uh, offensive option nailed down. Yeah. Now, this next deal, honestly, I look at it like this. Uh, This is going to look like the David Backus contract 2.0, basically, as uh, Blake Coleman signed a six-year contract with the Calgary Flames with an average annual value of just a tick under 5 mil. 4.9 mil uh, he will be getting uh, on this new deal. And he had 14 goals and 31 points for Tampa Bay last year. Uh, 
although it does say here that he could be a candidate for a top six forward spot with the Flames, which I, I would hope that he's going to be that considering the amount of money he's going to play for. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, the numbers he put up this year, it does not scream near five mil, especially well, if he's a bottom six player. So I compare that contract to – to the contract that the Bruins signed David Backus to a couple of years ago. I mean, it's it's got bad news written all over it. Yeah, it does. Uh, let's see. The Dallas Stars, they signed Ryan Suter to a four-year deal. Uh, so that basically means that uh, – the Dallas uh, front office is officially smoking crack or something, because uh, I honestly I don't I don't think I if I was a team I wouldn't be giving Suter a four year deal at the age of thirty six. No. Um, but the the contract will apparently have an average annual value of three point six five mil per year for the four years. Uh, he had three goals and nineteen points last year for the Minnesota Wild before he got bought out this off season. Um, let's see. I don't know I don't know why I had this one twice. I just I just ran into the Dougie Hamilton story again. Uh, okay, yeah, this one the Carolina Hurricanes have acquired Ethan Bear from the Edmonton Oilers uh, in exchange for Warren Fogel who I believe signed an extension uh, with with Edmonton following the acquisition. Uh, Bear had two goals and eight points this year for Edmonton on their blue line. I think he was a I think he was a top four defenseman because he averaged around 18 minutes of ice time. Um, He's basically going to be Dougie. Uh, he's going to be Dougie Hamilton's replacement out there in Carolina, basically, from what it sounds like. Um, let's see, David Savard. Uh, he signed a five-year deal, I think, with the Canadiens. Yeah. It was a four. It was a four or five-year deal. I don't have the number here. Um, right. But uh, I mean, he was—he's uh, a Stanley Cup champion now because he—he uh, he got traded to Tampa Bay at the trade deadline this year. Uh, yes, he's definitely a guy who's going to be very serviceable on the back end for the Canadians because, uh, especially with Shea Weber likely going on long-term injured reserve, uh, he's definitely somebody that uh, they're going to that they're going to need with the big, nasty way of playing that he plays. Right. Uh, Alec Martinez, he signed a three-year $15.75 million extension with the Golden uh, the Golden Knights. Uh, a little interesting note here, the Bruins had actually offered him nearly the same, the same deal, three years at uh, just a little bit over uh, – it being $16 million that they offered him, but he chose to take a quarter of a mil less and stay with Vegas, uh, which kind of makes sense. I mean, he had nine goals and 32 points this year for the Vegas Golden Knights. 
and he had six more points as well in 19 playoff games this year. Uh, he will also get a $1.5 million signing bonus in each of the final two years of this deal. And uh, throughout the three years, he will also have a modified no-trade clause as well, uh, per, uh, per Frank Saravalli of the Daily Faceoff. Uh, Zach hey, Hyman. I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, stick around for the final hour, so I'll get back to you next week because I'm going to have to leave the floor. So I'll get back to you next right, week. Lou. All right, thanks, Bob. All right, Lou. Well, thanks for joining me tonight. All right, just, just to uh, to wrap up some of these, uh, just to wrap up some of these signings here. Zach Hyman, he signed a seven-year, thirty-eight and a half million dollar deal with the Edmonton Oilers uh, per TSN's Darren Drager. Uh, obviously, this has been one of the worst kept secrets in hockey uh, in recent days, but uh, he did. Uh, they did try to get a sign and trade. Uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs so that they could give him an eighth year, but that deal never materialized for some reason. I guess Toronto didn't want, uh, you know, they didn't want uh, assets in return apparently. So uh, this is a pretty big pickup though for Edmonton. Uh, Hyman had 15 goals and 33 points in 43 games last year. So uh, Connor McDavid's going to be getting some much needed help uh, for the Oilers this upcoming season and beyond, I should say. Uh, let's see. Ryan Getzlaff, he will remain a member of the Anaheim Ducks, uh, re-upping on a one-year extension worth about $4.5 million. Looks like he's reached the point of his career where he, where he's going to be basically going year by year uh, with his contracts. Um, he had five goals and 17 points last year for the Ducks. He's nowhere near the player he used to be. Uh, but he still he still can give he still can give them some goals there. Uh, Mike Hoffman he signed a three year thirteen and a half million dollar contract with the Montreal Canadiens, uh, pretty solid deal for Hoffman uh, who will bolster the Canadiens' top six forwards and provide them with some much needed scoring depth uh, that they lacked uh, this year in the playoffs, even though they made the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, he scored 17 goals and 36 points uh, in 52 games with St. Louis last year. Uh, he also averaged at least .61 points per game in each of his last seven seasons, which basically translates to 50 points during an 82-game campaign. So basically, he's putting up he's he, he's basically putting up top six numbers. So he's so technically he's still a top six forward. So a pretty big pickup for uh, Edmonton, or I mean for Montreal. Uh, Nick Foligno, he agreed to a two-year contract with the Boston Bruins. Uh, Foligno matched seven goals with 20 points last year for in between Columbus and Toronto. Uh, he will add depth to Boston's forward group while playing in a third-line role. Uh, however, he could also see time uh, in the second line uh, the second line center, especially with David Krejci uh, leaving for the Czech Republic this season. Uh, they also signed Eric Halva to a uh, uh, to a deal as well. As a matter of fact, let me bring up 
the uh, let me bring up the contract specifics here for Eric Halba. I believe, if memory serves me correctly, yeah, it was a two-year, $4.75 million contract uh, that he signed for the Bruins. He scored nine goals and 21 points. Uh, for the Predators last year. Uh, basically, he's going to be serving as a middle six player, so he'll basically be anywhere between the second and third line uh, for the Boston Bruins. Uh, let's see. They had a couple They had a couple more signings as well. They did sign Derek Forbort, uh, who previously played with the Winnipeg Jets last year. Uh, it's a three-year deal worth an average annual value of $3 million per year. Uh, on the blue line for the Winnipeg Jets, he had two goals and 12 points uh, while playing. I believe he was the top four defenseman last year for Winnipeg. So uh, it's definitely much needed, especially with the Bruins losing Jeremy Lozon to Seattle this year. Uh, they also signed Thomas Noshek to a two-year deal worth about an average annual value of $1.75 million. Uh, he spent the last four years with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, he did have eight goals and 18 points in 38 games for the Golden Knights this past season. Uh, let's see. Let's look at, because we did have some big news for for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, they made some big splashes in free agency. Uh, first, agreeing to a five-year deal with Jaden Schwartz, formerly of the St. Louis Blues, to a five-year deal worth an average annual value of about $5.5 million per year. Uh, he had eight goals and 21 points in 40 games for St. Louis last year. Uh, he has been a 20-goal scorer four different times in his career in the NHL, so maybe perhaps he can rejuvenate himself uh, with a move to Seattle. Uh, they did also sign Philip Grubauer, formerly of the Colorado Avalanche, to a six-year contract worth an average annual value of $5.9 million per year. Uh, Grubauer finished third in Vesna Trophy voting uh, this season after posting a record of 39-1 and one, uh, with a 1.95 goals against average. That's 30 wins, nine losses, and one overtime loss. So basically he was 30-10, and 10, essentially. Uh, he also had a 92.2 save percentage as well as posting seven shutouts as a member of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, so he's basically the number one goaltender for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, they also signed center Alexander Wenberg to a three-year, $13.5 million contract. He had 17 goals and 29 points with the Florida Panthers this past year. Uh, however, at, his, at the height of his career, when he was in Columbus, he recorded 59 points in 2016-2017 but he has not reached the 40-point milestone since. So maybe perhaps with a move to Seattle, he could perhaps rejuvenate his career as well and put up the numbers that he used to have. Uh, they did also trade uh, after they acquired uh, Philip Grubauer. They did trade Vitek Vanacek back to Washington, but I didn't get – the specific details on that deal. 
Uh, Yaroslav Halak, he agreed to a one-year deal with the Vancouver Canucks. He will earn about $1.5 million in base salary, and he could make an additional $1.5 million in performance bonuses as well uh, during this uh, this one-year deal. He did have a 9-6-4 record with a 2.53 goals against average and a 90.5 save percentage in 19 games last year for the Boston Bruins. Uh, but even though he didn't have the best year uh, last year, he will still prove to be a solid backup option for the Vancouver Canucks, especially after buying out Braden Holpe, who has now signed with uh, with the Dallas Stars. James Reimer, he signed a two-year contract with the San Jose Sharks uh, for an average annual value of two and a quarter million per year. Uh, 22 games last season with Carolina. He had a 15-5-2 record with a 2.66 goals against average and a 90.6 save percentage. Uh, so he will join Aiden Hill, who San Jose acquired from Arizona this offseason, as the new goaltending tandem for the San Jose Sharks. The Calgary Flames, they acquired Nikita Zadorov from the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for a 2022 third-round pick. Uh, Zadorov, he had one goal and eight assists, or or eight points, I should say, in 55 games for Chicago this year. Uh, He isn't shy to take penalties, but he doesn't provide much, though, in in the way of offense or scoring, but he still is a useful player on the defensive end. So that should be a uh, a good pickup for the Calgary Flames. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, they acquired Evgeny Dadanov from the Ottawa Senators for Nick Holden and a third-round pick in 2022. Dadanov has two years remaining in his deal at $5 million per year. Uh, he did have an up-and-down year this year with the Senators as he put up 13 goals and 20 points in 55 games. Uh, he does give... Vegas, another scoring option on the wing, though, uh, with this acquisition. But I would say, though, that perhaps center is probably the biggest position of need for the Vegas Golden Knights. So it is kind of interesting that they went this route instead of looking for a center, for a a second-line center. Gabriel Landeskog, he signed a eight-year contract extension with the Colorado Avalanche uh, worth an average annual value of $7 million per year. Uh, he would have been highly sought after if he hit the free agent market on Wednesday. However, uh, this move prevented that from happening. Uh, he has been the capital years uh, with the Colorado Avalanche as he has spent his entire 10-year career so far uh, with the Avalanche. He had 20 goals and 52 points in 54 games last season. The Colorado Avalanche also acquired uh, Curtis McDermott from the Seattle Kraken in exchange for a 2023 fourth-round pick. Uh, McDermott had two goals and four points in 27 games uh, this past season with the L.A. Kings. The Philadelphia Flyers have signed Keith Yandel to a one-year uh, contract worth about $900,000. Uh, the deal does include a no-trade clause. 
Uh, he had three goals and 27 points in 56 games with Florida last season. Uh, he became an unrestricted free agent after the Panthers bought out the final two years remaining on his seven-year $44.45 million contract. So, I mean, if they're if they're uh, if they need somebody who can stay healthy, Yandel is definitely that guy. As he's considered to be the Iron Man uh, in the NHL nowadays, as he barely misses any action. Now, the NBA, or actually, before I go into the NBA, uh, let me bring up Aaron Rodgers as uh, Aaron Rodgers did agree to return to the Green Bay Packers, and he will play this season um, as long as they acquired Randall Cobb or reacquired Randall Cobb, which they ended up doing. uh, They ended up grabbing Cobb back from uh, from the Houston Texans. So because of that, uh, Aaron Rodgers has officially agreed to return and play for the Green Bay Packers this year. Um, so that's obviously huge news uh, for Packer fans. And however, though, it does not mean that he will return next season, though. Uh, or the season after, I should say, because uh, this basically allows him to be able to decide what he wants to do in 2022 as long as he returned for this upcoming season. Uh, the Browns today, the Cleveland Browns, they signed Nick Chubb uh, to a three-year $36.6 million extension with $30 million guaranteed uh, arguably the best running back in football today. Uh, he led all running backs in pro football focuses breakaway percentage back in 2020, delivering on his big playability. Uh, I mean, hell, he was probably one of the best running backs that the league had last year. And, now he stays uh, on the same team with Kareem Hunt uh, to be one of the league's best one-two punches at the running back position uh, for at least the next two seasons. Also, uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that Carson Wentz's foot injury is not expected to be season-ending. Uh, he is currently visiting with a specialist before determining the next steps. Uh The Colts have already ruled him out for the uh, preseason, and they are bracing for him to potentially have surgery. Uh, He has both bone and ligament damage, so he is likely looking at an extended absence here. It looks like Jacob Eason, the second-year quarterback, uh, could take over as the Indianapolis Colts starter to start the season, Uh, but it is not yet known how long uh, Wentz will exactly be out because of this. In the NBA, there were trades galore uh, this week as the Memphis Grizzlies uh, traded Jonas Valanciunas to the New Orleans Pelicans in a deal that sent them Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, and three pick, three draft picks uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies.
needless to say, a uh, I believe one of them was a first round pick in this year, uh, in this year's draft. Uh, Ricky Rubio was shipped off to the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for Torian Prince and cash considerations, uh, as well as uh, Minnesota also sent a 2022 second rounder to Cleveland, uh, which basically means excellent news for the outlook for D'Angelo Russell next season, as this should solidify him as a 30-plus minute starter uh, with Ricky Rubio no longer digging into his uh into his minutes. Uh the Lakers and Wizards completed a deal that sent Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and the number twenty two pick to Washington in exchange for what for Russell Westbrook. So Westbrook now joins LeBron James and Anthony Davis and you could arguably say this is the NBA's newest big three uh, to officially pop up around the league here. And it makes sense because, well, actually it, w- it was a little bit of an odd acquisition and an odd fit because the Lakers need more shooting and not necessarily another playmaker. However, regardless of, of uh, what teammates he has, Russell Westbrook has been known to put up triple doubles like crazy. So this should do nothing but benefit the Lakers in the long run here. Uh, and this sets up the Wizards to potentially build a team around Bradley Beal now. Yeah, it's reported that Bradley Beal apparently is staying in Washington, so that takes uh, a potential option off of the trade market here. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets have reportedly traded Lan- uh, Landry Shamet to the Phoenix Suns in exchange for Javon Carter and the number 29 pick in this uh, this most recent draft. Uh, this is basically basically a one for one swap essentially as neither Shamet nor Carter really contributed to either of their teams for the most part. It's mostly uh, mostly trying to get the draft pick, essentially. The Oklahoma City Thunder uh, agreed to acquire Derek Favors and a future first-round pick from the Utah Jazz in exchange for a future second-round pick. So once again, another first-round pick that Thunder general manager Sam Presti has added to his gigantic arsenal as they now have 18 first-round picks between 2022 and 2027, not to mention multiple pick swaps going in their favor as well. Uh, yeah, it it looks like this is basically going to be another rebuilding season for Oklahoma City because it looks like Derek Favors and Kemba Walker probably will not uh, be staying long for uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I would assume that you're probably going to see even more draft picks headed their way in the future here. Uh, also, the Boston Celtics, they reportedly acquired Chris Dunn and a second-round draft pick in a deal uh, that sent – originally it sent Tristan Thompson to the Atlanta Hawks. However, Thompson was then flipped to Sacramento in exchange – in exchange for, hang on, I'll find it here. Uh, 
Tristan Thompson to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, I can't find the full deal, but they did acquire a player in return. Um, This also allowed the Boston Celtics to generate uh, a near $9.2 million trade exception, uh, sending out Tristan Thompson this way, which they then – they were not done, however, as they also acquired Josh Richardson from the Dallas Mavericks, uh, basically fitting into the remaining TPE, the the remaining trade exception that was left from the Gordon Hayward signing or the, the, Gordon, the Gordon Hayward sign-in trade, I should say, uh, this basically eliminates, in my opinion, any chance they had of signing Evan Fournier in free agency because he's looking for about four years at 20 mil per season. And I guarantee you Boston's probably not going to agree to those terms uh, considering they want to stay below the luxury tax. Uh, They also, Boston included Moses Brown in this deal as well, going to Dallas uh, to try and regain a little bit of salary cap room. Uh, Brown was originally part of the Kemba Walker trade uh, with Oklahoma City that also sent Al Horford back to Boston. Uh, So Brown now heads to Dallas in exchange for Josh Richardson. Uh, Brown last year for Oklahoma City averaged 8.6 points, 8.9 rebounds, and 1.1 blocks in 43 games for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Josh Richardson, on the other hand, averaged around 12 points per game for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Let's say 12.1 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, and 2.6 assists. Now, a lot of people thought that this is a uh, that this is a downgrade from Evan Fournier. However, Richardson used to be a good player. Uh, his big problem was he just didn't really fit with the Mavericks uh, the Mavericks uh, offensive philosophy. So, uh, obviously, with Boston acquiring him, Boston has been a fan of him ever since he was in Tennessee. Ever since he uh, played for the Tennessee Vols, so uh, they obviously saw something in him that warranted uh, acquiring him in this situation. All right. Uh, before we go, we're gonna we're gonna sort of end the show a little bit here, a little bit early here tonight. Uh, but before we do, uh, let me go through the scores in Major League Baseball. As we do have finals from earlier today, the Atlanta Braves with an eight to one victory over the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, the Minnesota Twins eight to one over the St. Louis Cardinals. You have the 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 Cleveland Indians w- winning a slugfest against the Chicago White Sox 12 to 11. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies dropping a 3-2 decision to the Portland or Portland I'm thinking hockey to the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, the New York Mets with a 5-4 victory over the Cincinnati Reds in 10 innings. The Texas Rangers with a 5-4 victory over the Seattle Mariners in 10 innings. 
The Chicago Cubs with a 6-3 victory over the Washington Nationals. The Tampa Bay Rays dropped the Boston Red Sox 9-5. The New York Yankees with a 4-2 victory over the Miami Marlins. The Yankees are continuing their comeback, it looks like here. Uh, The Baltimore Orioles with a 5-2 victory over the uh, Detroit Tigers. The San Francisco Giants with an 8-6 victory over the Houston Astros. The LA Angels blank the Oakland Athletics one to nothing. The Toronto Blue Jays also blank the Kansas City Royals by a score of four to nothing. And we do have two games still ongoing. First in Arizona, the uh, LA Dodgers with a seven to three lead over the Arizona Diamondbacks in the top of the ninth inning with a runner on second. Uh, for the Dodgers and in San Diego, the Padres are currently down five to two to the Colorado Rockies uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning. Also, uh, a programming reminder uh, for fans of Big Brother: we will have another edition of the Big Brother Recap Podcast uh, that will take place uh, next. Friday night, or this upcoming Friday night, technically, 9 p.m. Eastern, hosted by Melissa and myself. Uh, If you're a fan of Big Brother, feel free to call in uh, using the number 657-383-1308. We would be glad to have you on the show. uh, Also, if you haven't subscribed to Missy AE Podcast yet, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash missyae or by subscribing on iTunes or Apple Podcasts by searching Missy AE. Uh, you'll get access to all of our shows that we've done in the past as well as any upcoming shows that we will be doing. Uh, yeah, so that is going to be it for tonight. I will, uh, since we're you know, since we're ending early, I'll play uh, I'll play us off with uh, with a little bit of music here, and yeah, we will uh, we will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. So. Yeah, everybody have a uh, have a good rest of your weekend and we will see you guys next Saturday night. Now this one day to all of you them who are going to drop the nice things to them girls. Treat all like diamonds and pearls. Dedicate to all the girls around the world. I'm Mrs. Raven and Shaggy with a combination with your mate. Split this one for your musical bit. Fun can't be a fool, son. What about the long run? Looking back.